Do you guys remember several years ago when we used to do the circles and we'd do the putting things in the light? We'd go around and each person would speak about putting things in the light. Then you maybe wonder how come we don't do that anymore? Well, there is some reasoning behind all that, and I want to share a little bit about that. One, sometimes these types of things can become almost like a tradition where we just begin to go through the motions and it loses the energy behind it. And that we're always watchful for. And it's good to pay attention for yourself to see if anything you're doing, anything along this practice or pathway has become more of a tradition or you're just moving through the motion without really giving it full attention or focus. That's always important to do, just so that we always really live the spirit rather than just preach it or talk it, but that we really do the interaction of living that. So one of the reasons why we let that go is because sometimes it was becoming, I don't want to say taking it for granted, but sometimes when we do things in an outward way, such as putting things in the light, well, first of all, I want to say it is a wonderful action. I know some of you still do that to this day, and I do it to this day, but not as an outer action. A lot of the times when we start to begin to do things outwardly, it can become more of a ritual. And that's the other reason why Jim and I stopped doing that, because it was more of an outer expression of putting things into the light. Again, it's a nice action, but it started to become more of an outer ritual for people. And spirit never is about the outer. So we wanted to, in a sense, let that go to take it back within. Now, if you take this action of Think about what were we doing, putting things into the light or sending the light. What we're really doing is an action of giving up to God. We're giving all things up to God. And that is a very sacred action. And the greatest way to keep anything sacred is to keep it inside. And so that's a lot of the reason why we really stopped doing the outer action of putting things in the light because it started to be becoming more of a physical focus. And we saw some of the things that were happening with some people, that they were getting caught up in the things they were putting into the light. And one, it's enough of our own stuff we're putting in the light. But then you start hearing everybody else's stuff. Anybody here ever get caught up in other people's stuff they were putting in the light? That happens. And then it takes it out of the realm of sacredness, because we've now put it out into the world where what we want to do is take things out of the world and put them into the light. So speaking it out loud sometimes and often can be in action of now putting it into the world rather than taking it out of the world. Just like when we do the initiation, we call this the sacred name of God. And one of the main ways to keep it sacred is to keep it unspoken, to keep it inside so that it really retains that sacredness between you and God. And in that, then, there can be a greater action of spirit unfolding in it. So remember this, to keep things sacred. Even Jesus said to meditate, he said to go into the closet. That way nobody can see you in your action, and so it never becomes about a physical ritual, or that others even see you doing it, so they don't take it and start to, in a sense, idolize it as a physical ritual. So this is really a pathway of sacredness and keeping everything sacred. So this placing things into the light that we used to do, 
I'm bringing this up, or should I say Spirit's bringing it up today, as a reminder that this is an important action, and we do encourage that action, but as an inner process, not as one as an outer one that we used to do in the group. And so I want to just say in all that, that if you've wondered why we made that change, because we've talked about it here and there, but also maybe we haven't talked enough specifically about the importance of that action and doing that still within yourself. That's a true action of forgiveness. That's forgiving everything to God. And it can be very valuable and serve our own personal consciousness very well in doing that action because often our personal consciousness is so focused into the world and all these things that do pull our attention away from spirit And so one of the ways that we can invite spirit in is to give it up. We give it up to spirit, so spirit comes into it. We invite spirit into our consciousness. We give up all those things within our consciousness that stand in the way of spirit. You see how this is working? It all works together. So if you've been finding in your own meditation, if you have not been putting things in a light or giving things up to God or forgiving, and you find yourself challenged at times to really get into that greater flow of meditation, of chanting the names within and holding that focus of loving, that maybe this is an action you can begin to look at once again, that maybe there are these things that are in the way within you that you keep focusing on rather than focusing on God. And by giving them up to God, well, one thing, giving them up is letting go. Let go, let God. But the other wonderful thing is, when you're giving them to God, where's your focus going? Your focus is going to God. And that's the key here. It's all about your focusing on God. Because in that is where everything does take place. Regardless of how long it takes, it all takes place. And that's the big key here. That's why we don't even call in the light anymore. But what do we do? We go right into meditation. And what is the meditation? Simply focusing right on God and going towards God. Not letting anything stand in the way. So putting things in the light is a wonderful way to not let anything stand in the way. To give it all up to God and to create that inner focus. I'll often find myself when I wake up in the morning, because I do my meditation right away, that I still may be a little bit sleepy or tired and still kind of in the dreamy energy of waking up. And even when I go to meditate, I'll still feel that kind of sleepy tiredness and that dreamy energy, which sometimes I may feel like going back to sleep. And so I'll often start my meditation by giving that up to God and giving any other thoughts or concerns or feelings or whatever may show up, up to God. And there's this wonderful thing that I, as I make the effort within myself, it's an upward movement. And as I do that movement and focusing, it actually begins. I'm a real feeler, so I actually feel the energy move. I actually feel the energy turn up and go up and release. And when I feel that release happen, all of a sudden I feel the openness and all of a sudden spirit just starts pouring in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever feel like a weight or a heaviness? 
And then as you do the meditation or you give up to God, you literally can feel that lift or go away, and all of a sudden you feel an openness or a lightness. Maybe the purple light all of a sudden shows up. You feel a peace or a love or warmth moving through you. That's often how I experience it. And this is what I do pretty much every time I meditate. It's a way of letting go by giving up. It's called let go so you can let God. But I usually focus on God first. I usually even go right into chanting. But if I start that way, oh, I'll tap into spirit, but I'll still often feel this weight and not experience the fullness of loving. And so that's why I've learned this action of putting things in the light or giving things up to God serves us here well because that's us taking responsibility for all of our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and reactions. Where have we heard that before? This is a way to take responsibility is by giving it up to God. So you set yourself free from these things that would weigh us down. And you open up to allow the greater freedom now. And in doing so, because if you can remember, all these things we're giving up to God, we created. We as co-creators have created all these things now that are a distraction from our greater knowing of our oneness with the Lord. And so as we take responsibility for creations by giving them up to God, is how we now begin to unmanifest the manifest, how we begin to complete or fulfill that which we've created. Because what we've created is there to serve us, to learn and to grow. What do we also call that? Karma. So the way to learn and to grow and to fulfill the karma is to really fill it with spirit and give it up to God, put it into spirit, so that spirit can also come in now and walk with us to fulfill it. And then what are we creating? We're creating this pathway of loving where we, the soul, now are creating the action of loving by putting everything into the loving, by doing everything in loving, so that now we build this pathway of loving within ourselves and into God. Very simple action. Obviously, I'm not saying anything new, but hopefully by talking about some of these things, even from the past, we may begin to understand it more. You know, sometimes all we have to do is freshen things up a little bit, stir things up a little bit, get the ball rolling again if it's gotten a little stagnant or old. And sometimes all we need is a new way to look at it or word it. So putting things in the light, please continue doing that for yourself. But realize what you're really doing and that we've been talking about it all along about giving up to God. So that's one of the older things I wanted to update. Now, there are some other things. Some of you are around several years back when Jim and I began this action of initiation in Inner Light Ministries. And at the time, in the beginning of doing that, when we first publicly announced it, it was in September of 2002, right here in this room. And it was an unfolding process for a few years for Jim and myself before we physically started to do this action. And in doing that, one, just stepping forward to do this is a great change. It's a great responsibility. And 
that began a new journey or unfoldment for the mission or purpose of Interlight Ministries and what our focus came to be as compared to what we were doing before. We've always been in this action of serving spirit, always, from day one. But in beginning this action of initiation, we took the next step into serving in a much more direct way. But in choosing and doing that, there's also a letting go that Jim and I had to do with some of the things we are doing from the past. And so that alone created change. And it caused some disturbance for some people. There's many people here, how can I phrase that? There's many people who are not here today, for those of you who have been around, that used to be here. The group has actually shrunk in size, and that's often the case as you get more focused on the greater fullness of spirit and not so much the phenomena or more the metaphysical. And so it has been quite a journey, and there has been many people that pulled away or walked away as we made these changes. And it caused some disturbance or rift for other peoples as well. And rightfully so. Anytime there's change in the world, a lot of people don't like it. And so they may react or get upset with the changes going on. And some people, in their reaction, even make accusations that sometimes seem hurtful or insulting in that way. And it's just part of what unfolds. And believe me, Jim and I have had our share of that, especially when we started doing this action of initiation. And some of it hurt on a personal level. But hey, what better way to learn or practice what you preach, right? So it's good. A couple, two and a half, three years. I remember some of the hurt I felt, and not to mention all the change going on, but some of the accusations that were made. I, I get a little emotionally hurt. But then guess what? Loving, acceptance, forgiveness. That's where the LAUGH acronym was born, out of lots of practice, lots of use. And my God, this is about a two and a half, three year process. And I'm telling you the timeline so you realize it takes time, even for Jim and myself. But working it consistently, as well as the meditation with the sacred names, really works. By the end of that time, and this is where I'm grateful that I do have conscious inner experience where things are open and revealed, that I come to a greater knowing for myself, but also in this action of teaching or sharing. And in that, I got to see a lot of my own healing inwardly. So I came into a greater freedom personally. And then there's this wonderful overflow that takes place, the service now of assisting others to heal through their process. Because I know other people were, in a sense, hurt as well. And that always comes with change. You know that phrase, time heals? Is it really time that heals? Or is it just when enough time goes by, we kind of let things go so we heal? <laughs> it is kind of funny how it works if you really look at the practical logistics of it all. But we know on this journey that through time, as we practice the loving, the accepting, forgiving, that the true healing does take place. But that true healing is where we, the soul, what? Let go of all the reactions. Let go of the past. Let go of the attachments, the fears, the judgments. So that we heal or we become whole because we now have let go of those things that would not allow us to experience that greater fullness of loving. And so, 
that's what we've done and we continue to do. And the wonderful thing is, and it's just such a blessing for myself and Jim to see, that as we live that ourselves and share that with others, we see others doing that as well. And over the years, we've seen more healing take place on the outer, but on the inner as well. And I'm even sharing this now because recently I've seen some of the healing where some people were hurt or disturbed from the past, starting to actually heal on the inner levels and beginning to see some of it show up even on the physical level. So that's really nice. It's a nice personal fulfillment for myself and Jim, you know, in this journey. And it's only been, what, a few years, I guess seven years now since we really started doing initiation. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. This all started about 10 years ago with myself and Jim on this journey we've been doing here in ILM now. So I'm sharing a little bit on a personal level today, but in hopes that maybe in some acknowledgement, if there's anything in you or you've seen with people around you, you might recognize things as well, or maybe things you realize you can be doing or have done or maybe have forgotten about or maybe kind of let go, not understanding why. But maybe it's good to take a look so that you have the greater clarity and understanding within yourself. So today's a little more sharing, I guess, personally for me. And so I guess I'm going to continue doing that. It's funny, I sometimes hesitate when it's some of these things because it is some things from the past. But sometimes I find that in sharing things from the past that maybe it raises things that maybe are undone. And in doing so, in giving it acknowledgement, that maybe there can be the greater completion and movement forward instead of hanging on to the past and allowing that to, in a sense, hinder one's progress or movement forward. So part of this journey that has been for me has been about 21 years now since I really began to walk consciously this greater path of spirit. And I remember back before I was just finishing college, I was about 23 years old, that as that movement of spirit began to unfold for me, I didn't even know what it was, and it began to create a change in me. And in that shift, I began to seek and discover really this greater action or journey that we're walking here. And in that, in those beginning months, I remember as I started meditating, a lot of things began to unfold and open up for me as the Spirit revealed to me more of the journey. And I even remember in one of those early meditations, a name given to me inwardly in meditation one day. And the name that was given was L, E-L, L. I had no idea what that was. I heard it in spirit inside. And then I began to look it up in books out here. Some of you may know that El is a word that commonly used in the Hebrew language or in the Bible, meaning God. El is another name of God, just as there are many names. But El is also a name that was also kept very sacred in the Hebrew. And they often use other names before El because of that sacredness. Just as we chant the hue here, there's a sacredness and a frequency. So is the word El or the name El. 
Think of the word even angel. Where is angel? Messenger of God. El is the God. And so there's a frequency of God's loving that is the message in all the different angels, regardless of the function or service, even any angel. Think of even all the archangels. Michael or Mikael, Uriel, Raphael. All of them have E-L at the end, don't they? Gabriel. Interesting. All messengers of God. And all have that frequency of God's loving in them, even though each has a certain service or function that they are doing for God. But is that essence or loving that the L is in that, that is behind it all? And that's always the key to remember in this journey. And I'm very grateful that in the very beginning that was shared with me. And I've known that in the very beginning days, and it had always been my guiding light and sound and frequency that I've known. But it's been also one of discovery. I didn't have everything opened up for me and I saw and knew everything at once. No, it's still opening to this day, 21 years later. That happened in the first few months. But yet in 21 years, there's always more being revealed and opened. All in my personal journey and in my personal journey also in serving in this action of initiation today. So from the very beginning, there was God guiding and directing me each step of the way. Before I even knew any outer teachers or people, it was given inwardly. And then I actually found the books to more explain, to give me greater understanding physically of what I was experiencing inwardly. And then, of course, the teachers. And I say teachers because most of you in here know that Jim was not my first spiritual teacher. That wasn't until more in 1999. But John Roger, as many of you know what them must say, that for me was my first teacher back in 1989 when I began, just several months after I began meditating, that I come to know him and this pathway of sun and light that he taught with MSIA. So those were more my beginning years. It's funny, I don't even know why I'm talking about this today, but it's there to talk about. So what I realize in this is that I'm sharing my own personal story. One, to let you know, yes, some of me personally in my journey, but also maybe in that you may begin to recognize that God's even been behind all of your journey, whether you've been conscious of it or unconscious of it and are just slowly waking up and discovering that. So in my personal journey, I've always followed that from day one, and I've never stopped to this day. And this is where I've learned the greatest lesson, that even as we talk about different people or spiritual teachers or pathways in the world, that those are just outer expressions, that the true path is and always will be is that path of loving inside, in spirit. And spirit will really bring us through our journey of our physical life to have the experiences we need because that is what's going to serve us in whatever way. And so just as I was drawn towards John Roger to take initiation on his path to sound and light there to begin me on this greater action of freedom and liberation, 
in the move through those karmas as well as the physical journey. I even moved out to headquarters there in Los Angeles. I used to live in Michigan. So I moved out there to be physically around it, to kind of dive in and immerse myself in all that was going on. And I was out there for about six years before I moved over to Austin here in the beginning of 1997. And in 97 is when it began this greater unfolding or beginning with Jim. But even before it did, there were several years of a transition that I was going through in that action. Because in my journey of meditation, I kept waking up, having greater experience, that journey through the realms, through the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, and into soul. On my journey, I had one very consciously, very aware of a lot of that journey. And in there is a lot of my awakening and greater understanding that I get to share today. Just as Jim always says, when I was a child. Well, I can't say when I was a child. I'll have to say, well, when I was a young adult, <laughs> I call it my years of karma. And since I started doing ILM, I call it my years of grace now. <laughs> so in that journey, there's all the learning, but consciously waking up and knowing this pathway. And then when I moved here in 97, I had my first experience, I remember, of June of 1997 with Jim. And in that, he began to teach me to do what he does. And I knew it. So my move here, and I knew the day I walked in this room, my crown chakra opened up, and I was just flooded with spirit. And I knew I was moving here, and I knew why I was moving here, and I knew 90% of the reason I was moving here was because of Jim. And now, of course, it makes more sense as history tells in that way. But over those years from the beginning of 97 until really about November and December of 99, there was this period of this transition of really now me moving into my greater spiritual freedom. But I want to share that so that maybe those of you may understand that more or those that may hear this talk that may be journeying this way as well. And here in my own personal journey, it may help to understand some of your own journey if you've done a similar thing. And it doesn't matter whether it was John Roger or any other teacher out there. It could be anything any of us have been doing because believe me, everybody who comes to this pathway comes from some kind of background. Whether it's a regular religion, going to church out there, or another spiritual teacher, or some other guru, or whatever you want to call them, or just you're following a book. Well, I was following the Celestine Prophecy, and look where I ended up. I was following blah, 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 whatever. There's so many books out there, I don't even know them anymore. But that's what we do. But it's God behind it every step of the way, regardless of what the outer form looks like. And so, in my continued journey, I would say it's right about the end of 99, the beginning of 2000, where all this really came to be. That's almost 10 years ago now. So we're in a nice kind of a completion and movement forward in the newer way. I guess I could say that, or it's really more of a greater fulfillment and expansion, really. And part of sharing this, too, is so that you understand these things take years to unfold, Years. It's been many years this has been going on. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years already that I've actually begun this journey. 
with Jim and what we're doing here in ILM. But over that time, my own personal journey, I know many people, I mean, a couple people have been shared with me, I couldn't stand listening to you, Brian. Your voice used to just irritate me. I could hardly wait till you shut up and Jim could start talking. <laughs> and I understood because I listened to all the talks back and my own voice used to irritate me. <laughs> so I understood what they're saying. I just kind of had to laugh. But I also knew what it was. Because in my own journey, there was still the part of me yet growing and waking up more through the realms of spirit. But also on a personal level of that part of me that felt like, oh my God, what am I going to say? How am I going to perform? Are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? What about all this? And all that kind of stuff. So there's that little part where the mind would jump in and say, okay, we got to say something wise, right? So they, they really think that you really do know something. And why the hell are you up there anyway? Get off, would you? <laughs> So there is this journey that I've been walking over the years. And that journey has really been through the realms of spirit into that greater merging into the ocean of loving. And seven years later, January of 2007, that was the time that I fully merged into the heart of God. And from that point, I can truly say, I and the Father are one. I know that to be true from my own conscious inner experience and awareness. I know that. And it was from that point that all of a sudden it started to shift a little bit. Some of you may have been aware of it, but one of these people who said, I used to not stand listening to your voice, it irritated me. They came back to me just this last year and said, what's happened? I actually like your voice now. I like listening to you now. What's happened? Well, that's what's happened. Because I've had to move into the fullness and the oneness fully. A true teacher of this path to sun and light is one who has fully merged into the heart of God and know that and can state that. And from that then, that greater fullness of God's loving can be shared into the world because it is that voice of God that draws the soul home and that voice is reflected even in the physical voice of the teacher that is that anchor point for that living word, for that voice, that living voice. That's what we call the sound, the light and the sound. It is that sound that we hear even in the voice that begins to draw us home that begins to not only remind us through the words, but remind us through the love. That's the true reminder, is that loving that comes through the voice. And if you hear or see or feel that loving, that's the thing to follow. That's what you want to follow. Because that's what will lead you home into the fullness, the oneness. Just as you hear me saying today, it is for you as well. Not just the soul realm. That's the end and the beginning. Or you could say that's the beginning of the end. But there is that greater journey of union that we will walk 
in our own time, in our own way, in the way that God wants us to. But always the spiritual form of the teacher will walk with you. And even in the physical world, even in the physical world, regardless of the body, God walks with us through every single realm of creation. And I know that. Even into the heart of God, there was Jim by my side all the way. So I know the truth of the radiant form of the spiritual teacher and I know the truth of God itself in and through it all. And I know the truth of where this pathway takes a soul and I know the truth of the soul's experience of this pathway and what it's leading to and what it is. What it looks like, sounds like, feels like. And in the individualized form and in the oneness and the merging where there is no form, you will see the face of God. But I want to share that so that maybe those of you may understand that more or those that may hear this talk that may be journeying this way as well. And here in my own personal journey, it may help to understand some of your own journey if you've done a similar thing. And it doesn't matter whether it was John Roger or any other teacher out there. It could be anything any of us have been doing because believe me, everybody who comes to this pathway comes from some kind of background, whether it's a regular religion, going to church out there, or another spiritual teacher, or some other guru, or whatever you want to call them, or just you're following a book. Well, I was following the Celestine Prophecy, and look where I ended up. I was following blah, 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 whatever. There's so many books out there, I don't even know them anymore. But that's what we do. But it's God behind it every step of the way regardless of what the outer form looks like. And so, in my continued journey, I would say it's right about the end of 99, the beginning of 2000, where all this really came to be. That's almost 10 years ago now. So we're in a nice kind of a completion and movement forward in a newer way. I guess I could say that, or it's really more of a greater fulfillment and expansion, really. And part of sharing this too is so that you understand these things take years to unfold. Years. It's been many years this has been going on. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years already that I've actually begun this journey with Jim and what we're doing here in ILM. But over that time, my own personal journey, I know many people, I mean a couple people have been shared with me, I couldn't stand listening to you, Brian. Your voice used to just irritate me. I could hardly wait till you shut up and Jim could start talking. <laughs> and I understood because I listened to all the talks back and my own voice used to irritate me. <laughs> so I understood what they're saying. I just kind of had to laugh. But I also knew what it was. Because in my own journey, there was still the part of me yet growing and waking up more through the realms of spirit. But also on a personal level of that part of me that felt like, oh my God, what am I going to say? How am I going to perform? Are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? What about all this? And all that kind of stuff. So there's that little part where the mind would jump in and say, okay, we got to say something wise, right? So they, they really think that you really do know something. And why the hell are you up there anyway? Get off, would you? <laughs> So there is this journey that I've been walking over the years. 
And that journey has really been through the realms of spirit into that greater merging into the ocean of loving. And seven years later, January of 2007, that was the time that I fully merged into the heart of God. And from that point, I can truly say, I and the Father are one. I know that to be true from my own conscious inner experience and awareness. I know that. And it was from that point that all of a sudden it started to shift a little bit. Some of you may have been aware of it, but one of these people who said I used to not stand listening to your voice, it irritated me, they came back to me just this last year and said, what's happened? I actually like your voice now. I like listening to you now. What's happened? Well, that's what's happened. Because I've had to move into the fullness and the oneness fully. A true teacher of this path to sun and light is one who has fully merged into the heart of God and know that and can state that. And from that then, that greater fullness of God's loving can be shared into the world because it is that voice of God that draws us all home and that voice is reflected even in the physical voice of the teacher that is that anchor point for that living word, for that voice, that living voice. That's what we call the sound, the light and the sound. It is that sound that we hear, even in the voice that begins to draw us home, that begins to not only remind us through the words, but remind us through the love. That's the true reminder is that loving that comes through the voice. And if you hear or see or feel that loving, that's the thing to follow. That's what you want to follow. Because that's what will lead you home into the fullness, the oneness. Just as you hear me saying today, it is for you as well. Not just the soul realm, that's the end and the beginning. Or you could say that's the beginning of the end. But there is that greater journey of union that we will walk in our own time, in our own way, in the way that God wants us to. But always the spiritual form of the teacher will walk with you. And even in the physical world, even in the physical world, regardless of the body, God walks with us through every single realm of creation. And I know that. Even into the heart of God, there was Jim by my side all the way. So I know the truth of the radiant form of the spiritual teacher, and I know the truth of God itself in and through it all. And I know the truth of where this pathway takes a soul, and I know the truth of the soul's experience of this pathway and what it's leading to and what it is. What it looks like, sounds like, feels like. And in the individualized form and in the oneness and the merging where there is no form, you will see the face of God. But in the face of God, you will see your spiritual teacher. 
That face of God has many faces. It's called the many faces of the beloved. It is not just one face. It is actually all the faces of Eve and the teachers through history that have merged into the oneness with God. It's amazing. But in that face is the greater knowing of loving. And through that, the soul is drawn yet higher and into that greater ocean of loving. Just even in the soul realm, there's still God in us, the individualized spark. But that's the beginning of where the spark begins to merge into the creator. It's through the soul realm as the soul continues on up and to the highest levels of the soul is where it begins to now move into what has often been called the Shekinah, the Holy Spirit, the shimmering lights, which is the ocean of loving. That's just the beginning. Then there's a journey through that ocean to the source. Because even the ocean is a creation. It's an experience. God created. And in the creation, there is all to experience. And the soul was created to experience God's creation. And then there's a day the soul is to complete the experience of creation and move back into the Creator and the fullness beyond the experience. So it was later, not too much later, after that January of 2007, where I mentioned merging into the heart of God. Well, that was just going in. But what was it like then getting in there, being in there, in the beingness of God, not the heart of God even, the beingness of God? That's the ultimate destination. And that is beyond creation itself and into the Creator from which all creation has come. And in that, there is no experience because there's nothing to experience as far as creation, because creation came out of that, in that state of beingness of the Creator itself, is just pure loving, pure, pure loving, just the light and the sound and the greatest purity. And it is so amazing that there's no experience. There is truly just being, just being, I know all we can do is imagine it until we have the experience. But here are the words to lead you to the experience. And when you have the experience, you'll know that true beingness that is God, that all of creation comes out of. So if you're still experiencing, know you're still on the journey. And even when you go in to the beingness, if you come back out, you're still on a journey. So I guess I'm still on a journey too. But it's very different coming out of the beingness than it is going into it. But hopefully you won't have to know that. Hopefully you'll just go back and just be. It is simply those that God chooses to go back to share the way to walk the walk, 
to share the initiation. Believe me, after a few years of this happening, I was tired. I was worn out. I was ready just to be done. And then there is a day in an inner experience where God came to me once again and said, I want you to stay and do the initiations. And you don't say no to God, believe me. You just don't. You just do it. Because there's nothing greater than just to do God. And so that's why I'm here today doing this. That's why I'm sharing this today so that you know my own experience, why I'm doing this, and what I'm doing, and how Jim has supported me along the way, how John Roger has supported me along the way, how all the different people and books and information have supported me along the way. But ultimately, I know it's been God all along from the very beginning. And hopefully you know that too. Don't be distracted by all the sights and the sounds along the way. Enjoy them and realize they can lead you into that greater beingness. And they do. But watch and listen for that voice of truth. Because that's going to be the short and narrow way. The quick way. Not the long roundabout, but the short and the quick of it. So no matter all the things we say or do or share out here physically, it's just a show. Hold your imagination, hold your attention, entertain you a little bit. But as it's being done, where's your focus? The whole idea is to get you to focus on what we're talking about, where we're going, what we're doing. That's it. It's a lot easier to sit here listening to me in the focus, isn't it? Than as if nobody's in the room. What happens? Your mind starts wandering, doesn't it? Just everywhere. I know. That's why it's valuable coming to class like this. It gives us a place to hold the focus. You've got the outer reflection of the radiant form. Next best thing to the real thing. But hopefully, even in class, that you feel or know or see or hear that truth of loving within yourself. I remember when I used to sit in class and listen to Jim talk. I would just sit there and stare. And just all the purple light would start showing up and I'd just experience all this loving. Because it's like an open-eyed meditation. Just watching and listening. And allowing myself just to let go and just allow that loving just to unfold, just to surrender and just relax. Just let it be. Enjoy it. Hell, even if you come to class and take a nap. I know people who say they don't come to class because they said, I'm too tired. Well, what better place to get a little relaxation and rest? But we each need to do what we feel we need to do to take care of ourselves. That's me. I'm prejudiced. I will not miss a class unless I have to for some other whatever reason, and I don't even want to call it a have to. I know it's a choice, but, you know, we each have our priorities. But again, it's not about the elder, so I don't even want to make it about class. This is just an opportunity to focus into the inner. Because I know some people who will actually meditate during this hour if they're on some other part of the planet where they're a little hard to get here physically. They'll actually have their own little 
seminar, listen to a CD or do meditation during these couple hours. It's a nice focus because what are they doing? They're creating a space and a time to now give their attention and their loving and devotion to God. That's what this is about. You know, I just realized something. I know we talk about not getting caught up in doing rituals. I guess this is a ritual coming to class, isn't it? All right. I never thought of it. Okay, so there maybe there's one ritual I do like. <laughs> but the value in not coming to class would be is if this does become an outer ritual and gets in the way of the inner journey because we can get distracted by the outer. I'm not saying don't come anymore. But if you don't come from time to time, just be aware inside. Because that's all we're doing here anyway. So in truth, this is not a ritual. This is simply a reminder, a direction, a focus. That's all it is. Yes, this action of the living word works through myself and Jim here in Inner Light Ministries. But again, it's the inner. It's not the outer. It is not the body, the personality. We just can't say that enough. That's why I'm hoping and sharing a little bit of my personal story and journey that maybe that would give a little insight to that. And even if you don't have conscious inner experience or remembrance of it, because we all have conscious inner experience, it's just do we remember it or not is really the greater truth. Most of the time we don't. But maybe once in a while we do, or we get a little bit here and there, or maybe we get a lot. But it still goes on. It goes on. So just keep opening to it. Keep asking. Keep looking. Keep listening. So that you do have the greater knowing or understanding of that for yourself. Or better yet, the experience of it. But the understanding, the sharings we do, hopefully help give a greater idea, a direction, an inspiration entertainment, education, whatever that supports you in doing that. But I also want you to know that there is a very, very direct truth in what we share. And that's why I sometimes like to share my direct experience so that you hear and know from me personally. Because maybe you have some of these yourself or maybe you've had some experience but you haven't acknowledged or given yourself the credit for how profound or sacred that is. If you close your eyes and chant those names and you see the purple light, that's very profound and sacred. But yet it's so subtle. Often it's like, yeah, there it is, so what? That's a lot of what we'll do. That's all that happens for me. Hello? I just focus on it for long enough periods of time that sometimes... I go into the greater experience like I'm sharing today. That's all. That's why you hear me talk about not only two and a half hours, but even three or four hours. It's just taking the time as well as giving the focus and paying attention to our dreams as well as our waking hour experience. I mean, haven't you had the experience where all of a sudden just out of nowhere during the day, you just feel flooded with this loving or all of a sudden you have these tears or you have that quickening and tingling on your head and down your arms and all. That's a movement of spirit. It can happen any time. And it can happen more of the time the more we meditate. 
because we open that door to allow it in more often and more of it. Same to you, but more of it. So I almost feel like there's something more. Does somebody have a question? Oh, go ahead. And a certain level of discouragement. Yeah. I respond in discouragement because I don't feel that. And I think, is anything happen? How will I ever know after years and years of many hours a yeah. day and it's still not there? What can you do to... Well, to have you had any in our experience that you remember? Not like you describe. Uh-uh. Well, most people don't like I do, though. A lot of that is because also the action of service I'm doing in teaching this pathway. But I share from that greater knowing so that people get a clearer picture in that way. And it is because it is my own personal experience because I had to share from my own experience. Otherwise, it's not going to be true and it'll fall flat. So that's why I'll, I'll share in that way. For most people, though, that's why I share about what I just said about like even the purple light and how subtle or feeling the sensations on the top of the head or through the body because that's what mostly happens even for me while I'm here in the body. It's just sometimes when I go into the deeper, longer meditations that I may go into the greater experiences that I share. But what I do know is that most everybody does have some level of awareness of at least the purple light or that sensation on the top of their head or just feeling a deep peace or a centeredness or a calm as they do the meditation. So do you experience any of those? Yeah, but the sensation or the sense is that we're still at the starting point, Yeah, that we've not made any progress, that we're still seeing exactly and experiencing what we experienced seven years ago. So we're not making any progress. I guess I'm not either then because I'm always at the starting point too. But even with that, that purple light, there's no starting or ending point. It's just the presence of spirit. It's just the presence of spirit no matter what realm you've awakened to or not. That's why I share that to this day. So I do understand, though, what you're saying about the discouragement that sets in. I still have that at times because I I go through my dry spells where I may go for a little while without that greater experience. But the thing I find out is when I go through that, it often the longing will begin to stir because I so want to have that greater experience because it nourishes me. And that's what draws me to keep doing the meditation. And that can still serve as an inspiration because we may want to have the experience. Because when I would hear experiences years ago that inspired me to do the meditation because I wanted to have the experience. So I know it does serve people in that way. And I know it can be discouraging or frustrating if we don't have that, or it's very far and few between in that way. I guess part of what I need to hear is the voice that says to me, I'm not even sure this is anything. I'm not even sure I'm doing anything. Mm -hmm. Can you address that? That voice that that when it gets to that discouragement point says, is this just a bunch of bullshit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, can you talk about that? Uh, It's something everybody goes through. Let me see. Anybody here never felt that way ever? I don't see any hands up. It, it no, I, is, just, I just feel the need to voice it. Ju- yes, well, exactly. That's where it is good to voice things because it helps to move the energy. I don't always say raise your hands, you know, the whole group, but sometimes we do that to realize we're all in the same boat. We really are all in the same boat in that way. And discouragement is just part of that. But yet the amazing thing is 
Why do we keep doing it then if we're discouraged? Do you have an answer for that? Because there's nothing else. Why not? How do you know there's nothing else? I've tried it all. I mean, there isn't anything else. It's this or nothing. Well, guess what? Ultimately, to get to God, we've got to give up everything else. And often we go through everything else in order to give it all up and realize that's not it. That's not it. You know, this is where I've said over and over, I wish it were different, but I've not found it to be different. Like I tell you, my karmic years, and I call these my grace years, believe me, I didn't enjoy my karmic years. Not to say, because Jim and I both still have some karma. Everybody needs some, even the teacher, to still be here physically. It anchors the soul into the body to have experience. But then the anchor's yanked up when it's time to go, time to move on. It's true for everybody. So what you just said is a very profound truth that everybody walks through. And it's funny because sometimes we may think we're discouraged with this pathway or not having inner experience, but what really is the discouragement? Just like you said, you've done everything else and there's nothing else to do. But what is the part of you that keeps doing this and knows this is the only thing to do, even though you're discouraged and saying you're not having experience? See, that's the amazing thing. I know a lot of people who don't have a lot of experience, but I'm amazed at their devotion and loving. Because some part of us does know that truth, and we keep doing it no matter what. And believe it or not, that's grace. That's spirit walking with us all the way. Why are some given the grace of of that actual knowing and the rest of us are not? Why is that that some people have that experience? I know why you do, but why do some and why do not others? I don't want to call it grace because really everybody has a grace, especially if you've been initiated. That grace is there. You've opened the door. You've chosen into it. It's just a matter of remembrance because each soul is on its own journey. In truth, all the souls are one. All the souls are one. But in that oneness, each spark is having a different experience of the oneness. And so each spark is going to have a different experience to have the different perspective so that God has the greater experience. So each of us here is going to have a different experience in that way. And part of that for some souls might be having more awareness or remembrance of the inner, and for others it may not be. But sometimes it's also because of whatever our karmas are, that sometimes having the greater focus in the world and not having the spiritual awareness will keep us focused to complete the karma in the world. Because I know those first few years when I really had the experience, I started not handling the physical as much as what I probably should have. That's why when I moved to Austin, it was like catch-up time. I had to catch up with all the physical things I wasn't handling all those years before because I was so focused on the inner which was great and wonderful, but also I allowed myself to use that as a distraction from handling the physical as well. And now I know people are going to take the words I just said and said, oh, okay, I need to handle more of the world. That's why I'm not meditating as much. 10% of the day, 10% of the day regardless. That's a goal, if you will. It's not a have to, not the law of tithing. It's a choice to allow more grace in is what it is. But each soul is on its own journey. And often, because we do have these karmas in the world to fulfill, that if maybe we have more, I'm not saying this is a for sure for everybody, but I'm saying in a general sense, 
a lot of the time that we would become too distracted and then not handle the physical karmas. It's happened, believe me. All you got to do is go to the bookstore and look a lot of the mystics and saints that have not fully awakened, and then they're writing about that. One of my favorite that Jim and I don't care for is The Dark Night of the Soul. We cannot tell you how many people have read this book of St. John of the Cross and this and that and all these others about Dark Night of the Soul. Bullshit. They're not awake. They're writing like they're awake. They had limited experience that was amazing, but it was still in the darkness, still in the void, still in time and space, still in the realms of karma, of cause and effect. It was not spiritual. But yet, so many people have these, and they're not truly fully awake spiritually. They call it spiritual because it wasn't of a physical, but astral causal mental etheric is still not spiritual. But yet, spirit exists through it all because we are the spirit that exists through it all. So we can still have experience, like some have and have written about it, but that doesn't necessarily make it real or true. It's just a phenomenon or an experience along the way, but yet here they remembered it. And here's the big key here. There are many people who've had experience like what I'm saying now, and then their experience has become a distraction. So they get off the path home to God. They now are living that experience, and now it's a distraction to their going home fully. So did having inner experience serve them? Or would they have been better off not having the inner experience so they keep doing the inner journey even if they're not having all the conscious awareness? I've seen it all, and I know what I went through for a while. Now it's in a greater alignment. The more I've awakened, the more practical I've become, the more I've handled the physical level rather than the vice versa. I was going the opposite direction before. And so I know that's the truth. You know, many people who have walked this pathway, who are walking this pathway, there's people that have been here and devoted, they'll have an experience and then they'll leave because they think, okay, I've got it. And I actually did that in my first couple of years. I was having a lot and I thought, okay, I got it. And I almost walked away. Oh my God, I would have fallen so far short. But that's what a lot of people do. So sometimes we may be better off not having all this greater experience. A lot of times the ego will get caught up in it and then parade it around and run it. I hate to say it, but that's what a lot of the psychics out there are doing nowadays. They have a little bit, and a lot of people follow them, giving their power away, not even realizing what they're doing. But that's okay, because that's all part of the journey. But eventually, one day, we wake up and learn through those lessons, going, okay, time to move on. So is it optimistic are absolutely truth that if we are meditating, it is working. We're yep. getting there. If you're meditating with loving devotion on God, if you're meditating on getting a psychic answer to one of your physical life problems, no, because you're going to get your physical life problem. I've seen many people get so focused on knowing their karma or getting their karma done that they are so focused on trying to clear all that they're missing the mark. They're focused on their karma. I even heard somebody, you know, tell me their intention about clearing karma. I go, why do you want that? I didn't say it to them. I said, that's a nice intention on one level, but you get what you focus on. 